both Peter and Jude warned us there would be false teachers in the churches in the end times. If we look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, we will see that Peter says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Jude talked about them. He said they would come into the church and put themselves into the church having not the Spirit. Jesus also warned us about it. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. They will come saying, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Christ. And because they say that, we will accept them and think they are Christians. In November 2020, a man sat, sent me an email identifying himself to me as being a pastor. He attached an outline of the sermon he had planned for Sunday. And it was really quite excellent. It was well thought out. It was well categorized. It was all totally scripture. And I was quite impressed. But toward the end of the story, I came to understand and believe someone else wrote that outline. He had just copied it preparing to teach it to his church on Sunday. In his email, he told me how much he liked my book, Preparing for the Return of Jesus, printed on Amazon. He asked me to send him more books for his church and also for his pastors. He, I explained to him that Amazon does not give me any free books, that he would have to order books through Amazon. I also explained that Amazon does allow us to give away a certain number of free ebooks every day, and that he, but he would have to contact Amazon to get those books because I have nothing to do with that, of sending them out. It's strictly up to Amazon. In his next letter, he signed his name Reverend. I wrote him immediately and told him he should not use the name Reverend, that no place in the Bible did any man call himself Reverend. 
They called themselves apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And if he would look at the epistles of Paul and Peter, he would see that they identified themselves in most of those epistles. Paul would say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter would say, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that it was quite proper to use the terms apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher because after Jesus arose into heaven, after the crucifixion, and after he went into heaven, he set up the New Testament church, and he gave to the New Testament church the ministries of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And I gave him the Bible chapter and book that's in Ephesians chapter 4, If you will look at verse 8 and then verses 11, 12, you will see that. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, Jesus gave to the church for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. I received a letter back from this man, and he said that he agreed that we should not call ourselves reverend. He said in Bible class that they went to, When they completed the class, they would say, now you are reverend, and therefore they call themselves reverend. But I had a very interesting thing happen to me when I began on radio in 1980. A woman from the radio audience came to me, and she said, I'm a fan of yours. And then she said, what do we call you, reverend? I was horrified. I was shocked. I said, oh, no, don't call me reverend. Just call me Joan, just like they called the Apostle Paul. I knew immediately not to be called reverend, and yet this man went right along with everybody. I told him there's only one place in the Bible that they used the word reverend. It's in Psalm 111, verse 9. God sent redemption unto his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name, God's name. But these men today, and women too, I suppose, love to be called reverend. They love to have people identify themselves as reverend. I would not permit this at all. I would stop that person and say, no, 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 don't call me reverend. That's God's name. You can call me an apostle prophet. That's the calling that Jesus gave me. The work that he gave me to do for the church is the work of a New Testament apostle and prophet. Another thing I would not do under any circumstance, is wear clothing to identify myself as a minister. They did that in the Old Testament, but not in the New Testament. I would not wear long robes, and they delight in wearing long robes. Jesus said that in the book of Luke, how much they love wearing long robes. Those strange hats the Catholic Church wears those collars that the Protestant people often wear to identify themselves as ministers. 
None of these things are of God. You identify yourself as a minister by that which you speak to the individual. Because when you speak, if they are of God, they will know you're of God. Amazon has a page in its uh, book section for authors to write about themselves. I did not do that. If a person belongs to God, that person will recognize the truth that I am writing is of God. I don't have to tell where I went to college or anything else about myself. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul didn't come to us saying Jesus walked on a certain street in Jerusalem. That does you no good whatsoever. There's no power of God in fleshly things. Paul came preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified, the spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul says, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So many preachers speak clever things of the world. They are worldly people, not godly people. And they get all these clever stories to try to entice you to themselves. Paul did not do that. And we have this example to go by for those of us who are in the ministry. Also, God took me to Jesus' statement of my own self, I can do nothing. But as I hear from God, I judge. That, uh, I believe, is in John chapter 5. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of God who sent me. God used these things to teach me concerning what I do. And he gave me a gift of exhortation so that I would be able to exhort the church. And he gave me the spiritual gifts of word of wisdom and word of knowledge to be able to exhort the church. Those spiritual gifts are listed for us in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. That exact quote that God had me use to teach myself what to do is in John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus says, I can of mine own self do nothing. I thought that was a remarkable statement. Here is the Son of God saying, of mine own self I can do nothing. I certainly then couldn't do anything by myself. 
Jesus says, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear from God, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. John 5, 30. After I sent the email to this pastor who called himself Reverend, he replied to me and said that he agreed. And his reply sounded okay. He said he agreed and he would remove the name Reverend and tell his pastors to remove the name Reverend. And he said he was sorry that he had done this. And he even said only one should be called Reverend, and that is God. So he seemed to get the message. But in subsequent letters from him, he showed that he was extremely twisted and did not have any understanding. In his next letter to me, he said, and we should not use the name pastor either. And I immediately wrote to him and I said, oh no, you can use the name pastor, that's your appointment by Jesus. Jesus, after he arose, gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So it is totally proper to identify yourself by your calling apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, because that is what Jesus called his ministers. But we should never use the name reverend. Jesus called no man reverend, and no man called himself reverend in the Bible. Holy and reverend is God's name. So I explained it again to this man. The next letter that I got from him, at the end of the letter, he identified himself as evangelist. It's highly unlikely you're both an evangelist and a pastor because an evangelist primarily goes to the world to preach Jesus. A pastor teaches the church, not the world. So I explained this to him. The next letter I got from him, he signed it Brother in Christ. He wouldn't even identify a calling. And in that letter, I believe he really revealed his motive in getting in touch with me. He wanted me to send him a computer and a projector and books. He wanted the things that I could give him. He disguised it by saying, please pray that God will see that I get a computer and projector. But in the next letter, he identified immediately that he wanted me to send him a computer and a projector. He said it was hard to teach them the books that I write since he didn't have a projector. I sent him the following letter 
Matthew chapter 11, I said, Jesus says, His yoke is easy, so if something is difficult, you can know you are trying to do something you should not be doing. Therefore, if it is hard to share my teachings, just share the Bible with them. That's all I do. Signed, Joan Boney. Then he sent me another letter asking me if I could send him a used computer, some computer that we are not using. I turned to God and I said, What do you want me to do about this man? And I believe there were two things that God wanted me to do about this man. The first thing, I wrote to him and I said, If I were you, I would get a part-time job or a job at night and work until I had enough money to buy a computer and a projector. Signed, Joan Boney. He said he couldn't do that because it took all of his time to be a minister. Well, I remembered Paul. Paul was a tent maker by occupation, and he supported himself and went from city to city doing the work of an apostle teacher. And another thing I felt very strongly that God wanted me to send is the following word. I see you as a beggar, a thief, and an extortioner. Extortioner because he tried to put pressure on me, making me feel bad if I didn't give these things to him. Ministers are often extortioners. So I said to him, not I, but God, I believe, I see you as a beggar, thief, and extortioner. And if you choose to go this way, you doom yourself to always being a beggar, thief, and an extortioner. Signed, Joan Boney. It was clear to me that this man did not turn to God over his needs, but he turned to humans for them to supply his needs. I think a great many ministers do that. I get emails all the time from ministers all over the world. They say, oh, we're building schools for the children. We're building homes for the elderly. We're building homes for the orphans. I want to give a Bible to every person who comes to my meeting. Please send me some money. They don't have the money to pay for the work. Every time God has given me an assignment, the money has been there ahead of time to pay for the work. Every time. I know their works are not of God. I know they are copying each other. They see another person go and give out Bibles at their meetings, and they want to do that. They see someone helping orphans, and they want to do that. I know those works are not of God. You're not equipped to do that work. 
that's something for governments of men to do. And yet they're taking it on and asking us to pay for it. It's a common mistake. I see it over and over. And I see one person after another in ministry who shows no sign of speaking any message from God. And I know they're not of God. And some are so obviously not of God, having not the Spirit of God. And that's exactly what Jude said would happen in the last days. They would put themselves into the ministry. They would put themselves into the churches, having not the Spirit of God. Now, what do you do with an extortioner in the church? Paul told us what to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. Don't sit down with them at church. Don't try to communicate the word of God to such a person. Paul says in verse 13, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Jimmy Swaggart was caught with a prostitute and the Assembly of God Church counseled him and prayed for him and I even attended at that time, visited a small Assembly of God Church in Clovis, New Mexico, when this was going on. And the pastor got up there, and I couldn't believe what he said. He said, we should pray for Brother Swaggart. And out of my mouth came, he should be put out of the church. A woman sitting in front of me turned and glared at me. But all I was saying is what Paul said. Now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, which such a one know not to eat. Put away from among yourselves that wicked person. You think that person doesn't know it's a sin to be with a prostitute? Do you think that person doesn't know it's a sin to extort money from the church, to, to bring scripture to try to force you to give money? Why, our pastor did that all the time, Robert Tilton. He eventually was driven out of the ministry by ABC Primetime News, who did an expose on Tilton. Tilton was asking them to send their prayer request to him, and they would put money in the envelope. He was getting $80 million a year from his television, radio, audience and from his church. He was preaching a hundredfold return at his church and one of the members sued him when it didn't come to pass. This this member said he gave all this money to Tilton and then he didn't have any money. He didn't get a hundredfold return so he tried to take him to a civil court. A hundredfold return 
has absolutely nothing to do with giving offerings at church. When Peter asked Jesus about this, what shall we have? We've given up everything to follow you. What shall we have? That's when Jesus said, you'll receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime and in the world to come, eternal life. A hundredfold return doesn't have anything to do with giving offerings. Tilton twisted that, as do many other ministers, because they twist it to get your money. They're doing things they cannot pay for. So they have to twist you to get your money. You know they do it. You've heard them. Well, God showed me to go a completely different way. I don't do anything unless I have the money for it. January 10th, 1980, in the night, I was asleep. A very loud trumpet-like voice spoke three words into my ear, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I looked up KWJS and found it was a radio station, and I said to God, are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. I'm a writer, not a speaker. The Holy Spirit brought to my mind immediately, call the radio station manager. See, I'd said to God, I don't know how to go on radio. Well, he was going to give me the information I needed, call the radio station manager. So that morning, I called the radio station manager of KWJS because God had given me the exact call letters to the radio station. I said to the station manager, God might be showing me to go on radio. How would you do that? The station manager said, make an audition tape, 29 and a half minutes long, send it to me, and if you fit our programming, we will offer you a contract. As soon as I finished talking to the station manager, I got a tape recorder and just made a simple 29 and a half minute long recording following what the Holy Spirit showed me to speak. Sent it to the station manager, and within five days, I was broadcasting on radio station KWJS. In 2012, God gave me a dream showing me to start a blog. It cost absolutely nothing to establish a blog, and to write exhortations. We have currently written more than 12,000 exhortations since 2012. One of the reasons I record daily and write daily is because of two scriptures. Hebrews chapter 3, exhort one another daily. And also Hebrews chapter 10, Exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So I, I record daily or, and write daily, and material is out there every day on both the blog and the podcast. And it costs us, you're not going to believe this, it costs us $100 a year 
to have a podcast host. That's all it costs. $100 a year. You see how easy the way of God is? And that's all I do is what he shows me. And I receive all of these things wanting me to send them money, these ministers. And I have printed on our blog a statement. God did not equip us to mail books and Bibles and to give you money. God told me to do exhortations for the church on a blog and on a podcast. And that's what we do, is exhortations for the church. There are so many thieves who are preachers today. Beggars, thieves, and extortioners trying to use scripture to cause us to feel guilty if we don't give to them. After four or five emails, I saw this man was so twisted and lacked understanding. And I wondered how he could have written the attachment that he put on his first email showing me what he was going to teach at his church. And then I realized he didn't write that. Someone else wrote that outline, and he was going to use it at his church. Now, there's nothing wrong with that unless you lead someone to believe it is your writing, which he did not identify where that outline came from. But after my experience with him, I'm quite sure he did not do that outline. He was basically able to trick me because he quoted so much scripture in that outline, which I don't believe was his outline. And it was so solid. And I thought he was a man who loved scripture. But I really think he's a man who wanted my money, and possessions. And I will say that's the majority of them. Every person who belongs to God has been given the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God guides us into all truth, teaches us all things, reminds us of everything Jesus has said, and shows us things to come. If you are of God, this is what the Holy Spirit who lives in you does for you. Whether you're a minister or a member of the congregation, it's the same thing. You hear from God by his Spirit, just like I do. John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You'll be just going along and all of a sudden a scripture will be called to your mind and you stop and you focus on it and you realize often that that is an answer to one of the prayers you prayed. That's the way you're supposed to go in the issue at hand. The Holy Spirit brings all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you, says Jesus, the Word.
John 16, 13. Jesus says, Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear from God, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. If you are of God, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Know ye not, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, who is in you? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Once again, Paul tells us, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. One time I was at a luncheon at Texas Tech in Lubbock, Texas, where I lived. The luncheon was across the street from First Methodist Church, and we could see the church building from the window where we were seated. A woman at my table spoke up and said, That's my church. And I said, We are the church. And she was just really upset with me. She said, well, she said, we're the church. I'm not a church. Well, maybe she wasn't, but I am, and you are, if you have the Holy Spirit in you. We're the church. Where two or three gather together in the name of the Lord, Jesus says, there he is in the midst of us. We're the church. It's not that building. We're the church. We could be meeting anywhere, grocery store, home, the early church met in homes. Anywhere that we are, that two or more of us are gathered together, Jesus is there in the midst of us. We are the church. One more scripture. Let's look at what Paul said about Jesus being in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Paul says, examine yourselves. Whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? I very often sat and said, Now when was the last time I have heard something from the Spirit of God? I examined myself. When was the last time that I've heard something from the Spirit of God? And what did he say to me? Examine yourself, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? Beware of these uh, men that come saying, Jesus is Lord. These women who come saying, Jesus is the Christ. By their fruits you know them. Does the Spirit of God really come out through them? Are they just trying to get your money to pay for their works? There's one minister that this is just shocking. Well, it's Marilyn Hickey. In order to get money from her followers, she sent some kind of bag of rice. And you were supposed to return the bag of rice and put your money with it. Uh, one of our church people had been in Maryland's church and 
they don't take you off the roll. They keep sending you writings and things. Well, here she sent this church member of ours a bag of rice, a little bag of rice, some kind of fundraising gimmick. How many of those people are doing something like this? That just identifies them so fast. Jesus says, don't be deceived by them. Matthew chapter 24. Be not deceived. Don't be deceived. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, in the last days, because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.